now, a special edition of the Toddcast Podcast. Powered by Citywide Mortgage Services. Providing complete financing and mortgage services for residential and small commercial businesses. Visit them at citywidemortgage.ca. Now, here's your host, Todd Hancock. Are you sticking around the city that you live in for the holiday season, having Christmas with the family and snowboarding, maybe having people over, throwing some parties? What a difference a year makes, eh? Last year, we were just kind of coming out of the pandemic. Certainly lots of talk of like, let's not wear a mask. Recharge, it's been a long long year but now it's all about family and snowboarding cypress mountain and pajamas and netflix and i'll be shutting everything down come december 28th we're going to take a couple two three week break this week and next you'll hear we're going to bang out a couple year in review podcasts Uh, my name is todd hancock thank you so much for being there for your support this year all the love we see online with the sharing retweeting liking commenting on social media of course we want you to comment we want to engage with you so thank you so much for doing that coming up shortly on this podcast in stop me if you've heard this before muay thai fighter eva schultz talking about enrolling kids in martial arts that is powered by fkp mma learn self-defense build your self-esteem meet some new friends doing it get fit doing it my little guy levi goes a couple two three times a week for about the last year loves it vancouver's number one training destination fkpmma.com first let's get to some highlights from a handful of our past musical guests from this year powered by vibe cave studios in east vancouver if you've got a good song you need a great mix look no further talk to brayden Uh, we hung out maybe a couple two three weeks back now played me a bunch of music all sorts of genres Uh, check out a bit of a band called calico and this is their song called don't you stray that Braden worked on. And I won't leave stuck in this hole With a mind sit still I am there I can hear you now in the air Don't you stray without your love Yeah, really impressed with pretty much everything that uh, Pockets, they call them Pockets, was playing. Huge mixes, killer sounds, great vibes through VibeCaveStudios.com. So at the start of the year, in early February... We had on Theory of a Dead Man bassist, Dean Back. He's a longtime friend of the podcast, uh, the first member that I met of the band that I was in- introduced to. And I think I told you this story on this podcast before. So I'm out golfing uh, with my buddy Kyle, and it's just a pitch and putt. It's not like a you know, full-on golf. It's just a pitch and putt. QE in Vancouver, and we got paired up with, with a couple people. It's this dude and his girlfriend. And we're about maybe hole four or five. And the guy goes, hey, are you Todd Hancock from Fox?" And I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, dude, I'm in, I'm in this band. It's called Theory of a Dead Man. We, we worked with Chad Kruger from Nickelback on our debut. And he's like, why don't you, you know, come over to my drummer's place once we're done and, and, and check it out. And I was like, absolutely, Kyle, if you're in, let's go. So we did. And as you know, the album absolutely rocks. To date, nine 
singles have gone top 10 on the U.S. Billboard Mainstream Rock Chart. Four number one songs, Bad Girlfriend, Low Life, Rx from Medicaid, and History of Violence. And when Dean was a guest, we talked about whether he could believe how big, how successful his band has become. Oh, I, yeah. I, not really. No, sometimes I, I think, uh, like I was on Spotify the other day, and like Rx, I think, has 180 million streams. And it's just, it doesn't register. Like what? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I pinch myself every time we're about to hit stage and and yeah. see rooms full of people and um, but, and then reminiscing with you about the back of the, the early days and getting started and thinking about how far we've come and yeah, no, it's it's it is hard to believe uh, over the twenty years what we've been able to accomplish. And of course, the success for Theory of a Dead Man continues. They released their new song, Dinosaur, back in October, and that went top 20 in the U.S. mainstream rock chart. Sounds like we'll have a new album from the guys as well in 23. I love the story that Dean shared when we talked. The craziest thing that's happened while they've been on tour. Oh, man, that this is, goes back many years, but the craziest thing that happened on tour was... We, we were touring around and we were doing about like between shows about four or 500 miles. We're traveling pretty quick. And the same fan was at all our shows. And we were like, this is weird. Like, how do you get to these places? You're coming to see us all these places. Like, Oh, I'm just a huge fan. And uh, so we <laughs> took off again after our show late at night, two in the morning or whatever. And we were caravanning with uh, our truck driver and another band. And this was in the middle of the night. We're all sleeping. We pull off to a, a truck stop to get gas. And uh, the, our truck that was carrying the gear behind us radioed to our bus driver. Stop. Someone just fell off your bus. What? And so she was riding between the trailer and the bus on the hitch. And that's how she was getting between the shows. What? So, yeah. So we had to leave her at this gas station. And she showed up to the show still the next day, and we had to call the police. And oh, so that's, my that's God. one of the craziest experiences that we had on tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was shortly after Theory's bassist Dean Back was a guest. Uh, we tapped singer-songwriter Dan Mangan to be on the podcast. Of course, a great guy. Love his work. Dedicated to the craft. Like we are, he's a big advocate of the indie scene. And now when Dan was a guest, this was before he took his company side door to Dragon's Den. Short and sweet, it's an online platform connecting musicians with hosts. If you haven't heard, Dan got the offer. Entrepreneur Arlene Dickinson offered 500000 in financing, half a million. Super impressive and shows you just how incredible Side Door really is. Cool to talk to someone like-minded, and we got into it with Dan. I think the full conversation is about 50 minutes long. Here he talks about gambling and his love of playing poker. I'm not like a, uh, I'm not a, uh, like, obsessive gambler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't play the lottery or uh play blackjack or you know but i fucking love poker and Ooh. i'm not bad at it okay and uh you know i played at the bellagio in las vegas and i walked away with 800 bucks or something like that i felt pretty nice. good dude that's great uh, and uh that was sort of like a claim to fame 
but uh, you know, I don't. I I I love poker, and it's not so much the gambling. I love the game. I yeah. love the the cards yeah. and the the strategy and like yeah. There's something so incredible about it. But like you know, I don't bet on horses or anything. Right. But it's I mean, it's fun to do that some stuff. Some recreationally, I will gamble recreationally with money that I don't care about. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, of course you got to have the, the whatever you put aside. You got to be okay with losing. Yeah. And that's, that's like, you have to, you have to come at it with the mentality of like, if I lose this money, this is the money that I spent on the fun of losing it. Right. And if I win or if I come out clean, then that's great. But like, you have to go into it with the mentality of like, this is not money I need. But you know, like the, when I was younger, I was in university, there was a period of time where me and my buddies used to go to the river rock and play cards out there. Okay. And poker culture is depressing, dude. It's like. You know, it's, it's kind of like, like, I have no problem with, with marijuana and weed, like, it, you know, great, smoke it, get high, it's awesome. Um, but like weed culture is like kind of lame to me. Like, and I just like, you know, having like huge, like weed posters on your wall or something like that, you know, like, um, and it's poker is the same thing. I love the game, but poker culture is like pretty douchey and uh, which is unfortunate. But the thing that you see when you go to the casinos is you see people who are not gambling recreationally you see people who are like taking their paycheck yeah. which needs to go toward groceries and you know putting it all on red yeah and that's like really straight depressing. up destroying their lives yeah and yeah. that's really depressing like yeah depressing enough to turn me off of going to places like that i gotta hand it to dan i mean super likable guy does great work and it should come as no surprise when you know his music that the beatles are a huge influence on what he does. So is it Lennon? Is it McCartney? If he had to pick? My whole life, I was a Lennon guy. Uh, always, you know, Paul always seemed like the politician and Lennon sort of seemed like the, the wild card. Um, and Lennon wrote the weirder songs. Lennon was funnier. Lennon was sharp. Kind of had this like cutting wit to him. Um, and I always kind of idolized John Lennon. And uh, as I get older, I realize that I'm more of a McCartney. I'm not a mysterious guy. I'm kind of plain as day, pretty transparent. Mm-hmm. I don't thrive behind the veil. I thrive when we you know, kind of break the pedestal. Um, and so I've started, as I've gotten older, to empathize with Paul more and you know, what's interesting is that I always said I like John better my whole life, but I sing my kids songs like I, when they're tucking them into bed or whatever. And I sing them, you know, I've always sung them songs, Beatles songs, and they're all Paul songs, you know, it's all, uh, I will, or I've just seen a face or, uh, yesterday or Hey Jude, they're all Paul songs. And, that says something, you know, it's in terms of like what, you know, he, he wrote the iconic anthems and, uh, and I'm watching a little bit of the, um, the Peter Jackson, I haven't watched it all, but I watched a a bunch of that Peter Jackson documentary. Yeah. And so good. It's amazing. I love the fly on the wall. I love that he didn't mess with it. He didn't fuck with it. He didn't like get in there and try and editorialize it into something. He just sort of like lets you watch and observe. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and really I love crazy to watch like the, the the progression of these songs that now we know and love and yeah some of the best songs ever and 
just to see the way that they came about it almost kind of stumbled across it and i love that it makes them so it's you realize that they're human like these songs are so ubiquitous so like wallpaper to us culturally mm-hmm. and um and you realize oh they could have they could have done it differently they could have chosen this lyric they could have chosen it. and it it puts you back into the process of like okay these people aren't aliens they didn't just like descend upon earth with all of these songs they had to work for them just like we all do and uh the process is arduous and it hurts but you get to the other side it can be glorious and so it was really beautiful and, and all that to say like i think that the documentary really it, it kind of shows you that love him or hate him that well, mostly people love him but paul was the leader like oh he yeah. was you know like the, the band would have broken up five years earlier if paul didn't keep them together right and um you can kind of see him coaxing everything and trying to, and he gets in a tiff a little bit with George, which is a little bit sad because you want them all to be buds. But like, you know, he was, he was the leader. He was the one gluing it all together. Uh, and you got to give him props. I think it was towards the tail end of March. You heard Todd Kearns on the podcast. I believe this was his sixth time as a guest. Todd and Todd, TNT, oi. Uh, Of course, you know Todd from uh, being the bassist in Slash, featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. He's one of the Conspirators. He's the frontman of Age of Electric, Tuke, of course, Static and Stereo back in the day. He has a new project called Heroes and Monsters. He's in Sin City Sinners. I mean, the kid truly never sleeps. Listen to Todd talking about the craziest things he's seen from stage while on tour. Craziest thing I've seen on stage. Well, just the other night, Slash split his pants. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to like gaff tape him all up. It was the funniest <laughs> thing. It was like, it's like, I was like, what's going on over there? Because they kept like, they kept doing this, uh, you know, the monitor guy kept saying in our ears, like, oh, just one second, guys, just one second. And you're like, the hell's going on over there? <laughs> like, long, you go back, just one more second, guys. And just like gaff taping him all up. Um, we've seen uh, things I've seen on stage. I mean, a lot of it's just normal stuff. You know, once um, in Italy, back in like 2011, I think maybe, I was way over on stage right, my side of the stage, and Slash was way over on stage left. We were in Milan, Italy, which is a surreal thing to even say that I, you know, that I'm actually familiar with, you know, right. where to get something to eat in Milan, Italy. But um, I'm, pl- you know, I'm doing my thing. Yeah. You know, and I just kind of see this. Whoosh, out of the corner of my eye and, and then i just see like uh basically what happened was some large guy had just wandered up the ramp i don't know he must have come from the audience and just walked on stage and he was gonna grab slash i assume as some sort of you know out of affectation or or you know i don't think it was like i'm going to squash him or something it was just kind of like but then the security came and our security guy just tackled him right into the pit, like right off the stage, down in the pit. And Slash went boing. And he kind of just went and he kept playing, but they'd broken part of his guitar. And he was like, it was the middle of uh, Sweet Child of Mine. I was just about to do the solo. And he just kind of like, the tech hands him a new guitar and he just finished the song, but that, which, which says everything about Slash. It's just like right. things are exploding around him and he's just kind of like, keeps doing his thing you know 
that would certainly be up, that would certainly be up there. I've seen it, you know, I've seen a few occasions where people have tried to storm the stage, which is always kind of like, don't do you, that. You, you don't do that. I, I kind of always feel like I understand that 99% of the time that is done out of like love, right. but there, there is a huge concern, you know, dime bag yeah. stuff like that. I mean, After like that, dime, yeah. yeah, it's like, that's just not cool anymore. So unfortunately security gets very serious about it. And, you know, I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but you know, it's like, it's more like just people trying to defend, uh, defend us, I suppose. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I can't think of anything beyond stuff like that. I mean, I've, I've been on stage. I was telling, I, I tell Frank, Frank is our guitar player. He plays in Wolfgang's band mammoth WVH. Yeah. And he's like much younger than us. So when I'm just sort of sitting around telling war stories, it's kind of like, you know, for a guy who was 23 years old, who ended up in Slash's band, and now he plays in Wolfgang's band. I'm like telling him, you know, stories of like playing in Camrose, Alberta or Red Deer and stuff. And, you know, dodging beer bottles as we're trying to, you know, like trying to play. You know, it's like, and people didn't necessarily always want to see you play music. That's part of what makes you kind of like gets that thick skin and the ability to kind of, get on stage you're like do you get nervous when you go on stage I'm like no i don't get nervous i mean it's like i had to go on stage when you know there was bikers that were going to kill us in the audience you know that kind of thing it's like just no it, look, these days it's pretty easy just to get up on stage and play some songs yeah you got to imagine there's a lot of things you're seeing on the road when you're touring with slash just saying and an interesting take on living in vegas during the pandemic it was very strange. And I mean, to be in Vegas, the place that seriously never closes was surreal, you know, to, to like, I was doing this show in Vegas with some friends of mine. Uh, they have this show called Rating the Rock Vault. And it's like Howard Lease from Heart and Hugh McDonald from Bon Jovi and all these like, you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame types and, and sort of a super group type idea. And they would do a show five nights a week. So I kind of went down as kind of like a fill-in guy and ended up being kind of part of the thing for a while. And it was really fun. And, you know, we would do it at like the, at the hard rock and then it moved over to the Rio, you know, and, you know, when they sort of kind of gave us the, so here's the thing, this, this coronavirus you've been hearing about is officially shutting this thing down for, mm. I mean, I think that they might've put it to me like, going to shut down for a couple weeks see how it goes you know right and then it was like i remember like the i remember like okay whatever so we did that 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 night and the next night it was shut down so i drove over to the uh, rio to just grab a couple of things that i'd left for the show i don't know a jacket or something and the whole sign had been removed like the you know kind of like <laughs> the you know where they would have like pen and teller or whatever the, like was, the marquee yeah, like the marquee was just sort of stripped out. And I was like, which I suppose they probably do if there's a new actress, but I'd never seen it like that. And it felt downright apocalyptic. You know what I mean? Like, and then, you know, it went from being, yeah, we're going to take a couple weeks off to being uh, a few months off to literally, as you know, a year or whatever it was. So and my wife and I would, you know, like I said, for a couple of weeks, it was just that weird feeling of like, well, you know, when the Netflix thing comes up and goes, are you still watching? And you're like, I still, yes, I am. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And from Todd Kearns, who I can't wait for a show, Blue Light Sessions, Blue Light Studio, sold out. It is in two days from now. If you were lucky enough to get tickets, we'll see you there. Don't forget, 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock for doors. 
So I think it was around mid-May, going from Todd Kearns to a Grammy Award winner, Alex Cuba was a guest, and you heard him talking about how he embraced his creativity during COVID. Well, I, um, I've been saying uh, on my shows, you know, the ones that I just started playing recently down in the Okanagan, and I did two shows with the symphony, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And I've been saying that, you know, I almost felt bad when I started saying it, but, but then I realized that maybe something that people want to hear, people need to hear, is that not everything was bad out of the pandemic for me, at least for me, right? And I'm sure for many other people. But I'm saying that because um, in my case, the pandemic, when cheering was impossible, everything was stay in your house. We don't know, you know, what's going to happen next. Uh, I'm not going to say that I was, you know, like so strong or whatever. You know, the beginning of it was, for me, was kind of intense when, I, when, when the idea of such amount of uncertainty started sinking into my mind. I had a little bit of a tough time at the beginning, but then something happened um, that allowed me to switch to my creative side and really embrace that, you know. Talk about a cool story. Alex records his award-winning album, Mendo, at his home in Smithers, Northern BC, parts of it in his living room, and it goes on to win a Grammy Award. It goes to show you, you can find success anywhere. It's really, what are you bringing to the table? And you'll love how Alex found out that he won a Grammy. Such a Canadian story. Yeah, yeah, that's, I don't think that is something more Canadian than that. Right, truly. I was, I was, I was, proud, I was proud to say it. Let's just put it that way. Uh, the couple of shows that I mentioned before that I was doing with the symphony down in, in the Okanagan. Yeah. That was the, the Okanagan Symphony Orchestra. We did the Friday, we did a show in Kelowna. The Saturday, we did a, a show in Vernon. It was super cool, like 32 musicians down the highway, you know, like I felt that was the biggest entourage I ever had in my life in my career um couple of beautiful shows and that's the reason why i couldn't go um the grammys changed their original date um or the original date for from january 31st to april 3rd because of covid and when they did that it conflicted with my my shows and stuff i i already i bought tickets i was gonna go with my my wife my daughter we were gonna go to down to la you know it would have been amazing to be there and in person and, and win this thing, you know, but sometimes it's, it's funny, you know, I, I, I'm thinking, I'd be, I'm left thinking, wow, maybe if I went, I would, you know, I would have not win this thing, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, yeah. I was, uh, it was Sunday, the day to return home from, from Kelowna. I was driving, uh, my wife and my uh, youngest son went with me and we were uh, just approaching Cornell I made the decision to drive during the, the, the hours that I knew the Grammys were going to be happening because my publicist, uh, like an hour before or two, uh, forward to me the, the program, you know, how it was going to run. Yep. And, I, and I knew, so I said to myself, let me drive so that I, um, I'm not glued to the, the, the screen of my phone, right? Because otherwise I would have been like this, you know, the whole sure. <laughs> Understandably, and, yeah. Yeah, and so we, we start, and we, we're approaching Quanell and the phones go out of service, I guess, all of that, and it starts snowing. And I'm like, man, I could have been now in Vegas, of course, you know. And instead we're here 
returning to winter. <laughs> it, it totally felt like it was we were going back to winter. Yeah, yeah. And and suddenly the phones, you know, got back on service, and all of a sudden the phone rings in the car. I had it connected to the Bluetooth in the car. I answered. I didn't recognize the number because sometimes it doesn't tell you the name of the person, just the number. And we are all, you know, who remembers numbers? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. it was my publicist. It was my publicist from New York um, who has been trying to get in touch with me for the last, I don't know, 10 minutes, right? And I'm like, hey, what's up? And he's like, I, I need you to send me a quote I, I, for the media. And I'm like, hey, well, hold on a minute. What are you talking about? Oh, you don't know? No, we don't know why. I said, you won't. Oh, my God. Nice, dude. When he said, well, he, he started screaming. We started screaming through the car. Uh, I've been saying I'm proud that I kept the car on the road, you know, because it was a really freaky, surreal moment, you know. And then we were like 10 minutes out. And he said, I, I need you to park now and, and send me a quote right away because uh, we need to spread the news. Uh, so we stopped in Quenel and my son in the, was sleeping in the back seat, And I woke him up and said, hey. What's up, what's up, what's up? I just want a Grammy. And he started screaming too. And then it was a super surreal moment. Thought It's like, oh my God, it's the first time that I, anything like that happens to me in my life. Toddcast podcast musical guest visits are powered by Vibe Cave Studios in East Vancouver. Huge, Huge mixes, mixes. Killer, killer sounds, sounds. Great, great vibes. Visit them at vibecavestudios.com.
best way to hit the slopes this winter is with the Cypress Mountain SkyCard. Visit cypressmountain.com for details. And now, stop me if you've heard this before on the Toddcast Podcast. When you talk about fitness in your 40s, most will know it's very hard work. First off, finding the motivation, keeping the weight off, and of course, not getting hurt. Pro Muay Thai fighter Eva Schultz is based out of Denmark, has over 60 pro fights, and didn't get into fitness and pro fighting until her 40s. And when Eva was a guest, we talked about her first fight and the things that still stand out. She talked about binging The Son of Sam's and overall documentaries, whether aliens have visited Earth. She talked about seeing U2 in concert, using CBD oil after fights, dealing with COVID and living in Denmark, watching tape of the opponents she's about to fight. And stop me if you've heard this before, Eva talked about teaching kids Muay Thai at a young age. They really seem to enjoy it, um, and and also some of the kids were a little bit like they rush around and bam bam bam. They really want to fight, so it's all a matter of finding a good balance and and teaching the kids that this is actually not about you know violence or uh, beating people up. This is really a totally different game. It's about respect. It's about friendship. It's about uh, being helpful and kindness. So it's it's totally different than what people actually think about it. So in right. this way, by moving, uh, by working with school kids, you actually move some boundaries or uh, change a little form of the boxes because people think it's like this. So when you can put it into the children in school, then you can also kind of make it different for other people to think about fight sport as something that is uh, violent and you have an issue with your temper or something because that's that's not the issue at all for fight sport. Right, and, and uh, it's often a, a polarizing question. But when do you think parents should get their kids enrolled into MMA, martial arts? Yeah, well, I think to put them into martial arts, I think they can start pretty early because it's um, it, it's a matter about you're teaching the children how to do the stuff in a secure way. And the children actually develop a lot of good skills from fight sport. You can see how, if you look down to Thailand and these Asian countries, you see they start already when they're still wearing a diaper, you know? Yeah, they, know uh, right? they start going in the gym, they start rolling around, they start doing fun stuff. And I think you can do it with the kids if you just keep it on a playing level. So really you play all fun. this stuff into the kids, you know? Yeah, they were find it so amusing. It, I think it's just about, and we have to change our mindset as adults regarding fight sport because everybody's, oh, this is so dangerous. Woo! Um, yeah, you can make it dangerous if you're not a good teacher. Right. But if you're a good teacher who gives the right virtues and know how to teach children, then you have a magnificent result. So I think you can start quite early. Stop me if you've heard this before on the Toddcast podcast is powered by FKP MMA, Vancouver's number one training destination at fkpmma.com. Go make sure you slam the front door, yeah. Pour all my liquor on the kitchen floor Throw my clothes all over the front lawn Do what you gotta do to do me wrong 
If you still got a heart, get to tearing mine apart. Cause I'll never get over it if you don't leave a mark. If you ruin it Out of all the hurt you know I think hope is the cruelest Right now get by Just don't quite feel right Come on baby Change my mind Show a little Mercy If you're gonna think it does. It's got that vibe. He was a guest of the podcast uh, in early February of this year. His name, Kyle McCurney, and his latest is called Mercy, an incredible player. What a year, too. Winning awards, nominated for others. Expect a bigger 23 for our good friend Kyle. Straight up, just an amazing artist with, I think, a no-limit ceiling for his work. I played you a band called Heroes and Monsters, and that is locked and loaded, fronted by Mr. Todd Kearns, who is uh, doing a podcast show, as mentioned, uh, Blue Light Sessions, just a couple days away. This Thursday, it is sold out. It only took, I think, a day and a half, two days or something for that to happen. So if you were lucky enough to have picked up a ticket through Eventbrite. .ca. That's where we sell all of our podcast shows with uh, Blue Lights Studio. Eventbrite, B-R-I-T-E dot C-A. We'll see you there. A couple acoustic sets, the Q&A throughout. Get your questions ready as well. You interview them too. It's not just me. 
So doors are at 7 o'clock. Show will start at 8 o'clock. Looking forward to it. Coming up in just a few minutes in Listen to This, Smith and Myers talking about the power of music. And when you really think about it, it is so incredible. Locally, check out Music Heals and the great things that they've been doing for over a decade. That organization really showcases the power of music. That is powered by our good friends at Tedco RV Supplies in Langley. RV service and repair, ICBC accredited, longtime sponsors. We're talking, we're getting into six years. It goes without saying, if you have an RV, support these guys. Good friends. You can find them on Facebook and on Twitter at Tedco RV Supplies. First, back to more guest highlights in our year in review podcast and some sporting guests, all of whom are powered by hand over hand textiles in Vancouver. Great stocking stuffers, great gift ideas, naturally dyed goods for your home and your body. Fantastic things on their site right now. I saw some old and in 420 related products uh, there the other day. Uh, they use only pure plant extracts and natural fibers. In fact, it's good for Mother Earth. Locally, yeah, right? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Locally owned and operated. Find them at handoverhandtextiles.com. So we had on former WWE tag team Bollywood Boys in early February. You'll remember them going back to the days of the ECCW where they won the tag team championship five times between 2011 and 2015. They made their debut in the WWE on SmackDown in April 2017, repackaged as the Singh Brothers. Yeah, so in WWE, like, you know, like we showed up as the Bollywood Boys, pretty much what we were doing on the independent circuit uh, throughout Canada or around the world. Uh, so we showed up at the Bollywood boys, but when they saw that opening with uh, gender, as far as that uh, world tag world, world title run that they wanted to do and really capitalize on the Indian market, you know, if they if we were rebranded as the Singh brothers. So it, at first, like, you, I mean, here's a multi-million billion dollar company telling you kind of like, Hey, like we want to bring you on board, but there's a little re- revamp for you guys and our, our job as uh as a work you know em- employees workers like we, we run the play that the coach gives us so you know that's the best way to put it so we make the most of that opportunity too so uh harv i'll let you jump in as well yeah, kind of going back to uh what you kind of uh, were bringing up like when we like we got signed because of triple h um you know when he kind of took over NXT at that time, you know, there was this push for smaller wrestlers. There were just, every few years, WWE has this, you know, they change their kind of game plan on what they want. And we were kind of right place, right time. There was this push for small, smaller athletic guys, uh, more of an international base. And, you know, Triple H gave us an opportunity, you know, and that happened. And then there was guys like Shawn Michaels, again, a guy I grew up watching. He really kind of gravitated towards us. And we built a good relationship with him. He helped us a lot this last year, just before we got released, year and a half. Sean was very hands-on with mm. our map. And I would say it was the best body of work we did in WWE. And unfortunately, not a lot of people saw it because it was a more of a hidden show. After working with the WWE, the boys went on to wrestle with the 205 Live and then changed back to the Bollywood Boys in October of 2020. Quite the career, of course, for local guys as well. They're here in the Lower Mainland. Listen to them talk about career highlights. Well, Harv, I think you'll have one and I'll have one, so I'll let you go first. (laughs) Your highlight? Yeah, one. I I think, for me, it's going to be... 
Madison Square Garden, wrestling at Madison Square Garden, sold out Christmas. It was like we had a five-day Christmas loop. Like we flew out day of Christmas, landed in New York, and it's Madison Square Garden, 20,000 people. And I still remember it was we wrestled R-Truth for the 24-7 championship. And, uh, and I just remember walking out. You know, I won. I beat Gerb actually. <laughs> it was just a fun moment, and but even like as fun as it was, there's still that moment you take. I'm like, man, I'm walking out of Madison Square Garden with a WWE title with the logo on it, and it's in my bag. And you know, you're I get to my hotel. I'm like, holy crap! It's it's pretty cool. I got two that stick out of my mind, Todd. If you don't mind, yeah, um, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely wrestling at Rogers Arena, you know, um, GM place for some people. So right. you know, very first event we saw was in July of 1996 with our parents, and for them to come back with us and to be able to wa- have them watch us, you know, front and center in the ring performing live. That's like, you know, for our dad and mom, like you know, just standing in in front of that in, in the middle of the ring, like for with them. That's uh, up. As a, Dude, as a, as a parent, I'm literally like my hair on my arms. Ah, that's up. cool, man. So like def- Rogers Arena and then second would be Air Canada Center in Toronto because uh, Harv and I, when we were busting our ass trying to get to the WWE, real quick story, we snuck in past Air Canada Center security, lying to them that we were booked as extra talent for WWE, which we were not. But we got to the back. We were hustling, handing over 8 by 10 promo pictures with our information behind it. Eventually, we get caught for not for being there when we are not told to be there, and we got kicked out of that arena. But we go back to Air Canada Center, and that's where we sign our full time WWE contract. So nice, yes. So it all came full circle. Yeah, I think it was back in February when you heard Vincent Trocheck on the podcast. At that point, center for the Carolina Hurricanes, he's been with the league since 2011. Panthers grabbed him at the entry draft. Third round, 64th overall, signed a six-year, $28.5 million contract in 16. He left the Canes as a free agent at the start of this season, signed a seven-year, $39 million contract with the New York Rangers in the summer. And as a big fan of hockey, super cool to get him on the podcast. Check out what he said was his first hockey memory. My first hockey memory, I don't know. We used to do these... uh... Mario Lemieux used to do um, like these little kids hockey camps in Pittsburgh and I, right. and we used to always go to those and he would take pictures with the kids after the camp. And I still have a picture of me when I was probably five or six um, sitting on Mario's lap, which is pretty cool. That's a pretty cool story. Vincent talked about his time in Carolina and what it was like playing for coach Rod Brindamore, of course, a legend in his own right. Incredible. Right. Roddy's, yeah. He's one of the best coaches, if not the best coach I've ever had. Um, what is it that kind of sets him maybe apart from from somebody else? There's honestly a lot of things. He he does so many things so well. He, uh, I mean, it helps that he played 1,600 games in the National Hockey League. He's been there. He's done that. Right. Everything that he's preaching, he he backed it up with the way he played. Um, the way he coaches is is the same way he played. It's, it's all all heart. Um, he just asks that we give him our 100% effort. And, uh, if we make mistakes, we make mistakes. It's, he just makes it very easy on us to, to go out and want to play for him. Um, and you can tell how, how much he cares, which, which is a big part of it. 
From hockey to football, most CFL fans will know kicker Sean White. Came into the league as a BC Lion, over the last decade has played with the Alouettes, the Eskimos, of course, the name change, the Edmonton Elk. He played under both banners. Of course, you'll know he's back with the BC Lions this season. It honestly means everything, man. You know, um, I was born and raised here. I grew up going to BC Place, watching the, you know, the Fluties play and Louis Pasaglia play. You know, I was at those games and, uh, you know, the orange and black is just, that's just me, right? And uh, even when I left, I left just to get a kicking opportunity and actually play. But, and because, you know, here I couldn't play. It was Paul McCallum. McCallum's there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Wally made it clear. He's like, you could kick 90-yard field goals and have a 100-yard punt average and you still won't play over Paul. And I'm (laughs) I get it, but I just I knew I was still developing, man. I barely had played football, and so I wanted to learn. I learned from the best uh, with Wally and Paul McCallum, Don Sweet. So I was in a yeah. good spot. But uh, no, it, uh, so but even just that, they developed me. They put in the time, and you know, even when I left, you know, I always felt, you know, uh, there's uh, the line was still in me, man. I I always wanted to come back and finish my my career here, home with my family and my friends, and. Uh, you know, my family sacrificed a lot for me to play pro ball. So, uh, you know, it's good to give it back to them. So, you know, they can enjoy what I do as well. Great to have Sean back. This is where he needs to be. He originally signed with the Lions as a territorial exemption in 2007. We're talking, we're going back 15 years now. And surely you would think that over that amount of time, he's bound to have been involved in some great pranks, right? Yeah, this one guy. So I was a rookie for five years with BC. And uh, so that was a lot of hazing towards me. So after that, I almost got promoted right right away to the Phantom. So uh, now what happens is the O-line keeps track of rookies that aren't doing the right thing. And they make make a list and they give it to me. So then it's my job to prank them. So I think the best one, and they'll rank them like, get this guy good, this guy not so good. (laughs) So this guy had to be good. So I put all of his clothes. So and also as a kicker, I'm not doing anything at practice. So I I go in during practice. This was in BC too. So I started filling up this guy a plastic bag full of this guy's clothes, filled it with water, tied it up tight, and put it in the freezer. And now we no one says anything. Plus I didn't tell anybody but the old line. And uh, and that's when it was like, who was it? Kelly Bates was there and. Uh, freaking Reed and all those guys so they didn't say anything so anyways this guy couldn't find his clothes he lost his mind like he was trying to fight everybody oh, but no. never expect me because I'm the smallest guy there and uh, he left it he couldn't find it for a week and then one day he went to go get ice to ice something and that's when he found his clothes and it was just a big block of, and it was funny so he had this thought he threw it outside and just let it thaw and it was nice. so funny Pretty funny to hear the inside scoop on the Lions and the pranks and stuff they're pulling there, hey? As we move from the Lions to the Whitecaps, as a longtime fan, I mean, literally, we're going back to the the days of Bob Leonard Doozy, Super Socko drinks, if you remember those. We made sure to talk to a player at least once a season since we've launched this podcast. And great to get their keeper, their goalkeeper, Thomas Hassall, was on Zoom with us, who at the time was playing with the team. This was, of course, before fracturing his finger, moving him down to the Whitecaps FC 2 in the MLS Next Pro. He's a trooper of a player who extended his 
time with the Whitecaps through the 23 season, club has the option for the 24-25. Listen to Thomas talking about when he realized his true potential. Yeah, it's tough. It was always my dream since as long as I can remember. Yeah. I think... I think definitely coming on trial when I was 14 was like, wow, this could be an opportunity and that could lead somewhere one day. Um, and then it really would have been when I was probably 15, 16, when I was like, okay, um, I really feel like I am good enough to get there and then progress through the stages and get to the next level. Okay. Uh, obviously there was tons and tons of work to be done through there and different steps um, coming into the academy working through the levels, um, seeing what the first team was like, being with the youth national teams. And then each one of those, you're like, it's almost turning more and more into reality. Uh, so there's a lot of different spots in your career where you think like, okay, this is definitely something you could do. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you credit your grandfather for kind of getting the introduced and really ramped for the sport. He was a, a goalkeeper as well, was he not? Yes, he was. He was a huge soccer fan, biggest one I know. And he would, he would always watch my games like playing with the national team he'd be up in Czech Republic at like 3 a.m watching yeah uh, on the big screen no matter what and he was he was all in it with me he definitely introduced me kind of helped me get a passion for the game and that would have been one of the best things in the world if he was able to see me play with the first team and play professionally yeah this is a really interesting conversation with Thomas a personal at times as well he talks about his grandfather, who was also a keeper, and how he really turned Thomas onto the sport. Never did get to see Thomas play in MLS. Never got to see Thomas's standout memories of playing in the league. Standout memory. You know, there's a lot of different ones, but I think MLS is back. Stands out. Um, when I made my debut, um, and then probably the game against Sporting Kansas City. Um, I think that one, again, was like, okay, it's, it's able to give me a lot of confidence and as well as like prove to not only myself, but everyone else that it's like, okay, I can play here. I can be here. Nude Vodka Soda powers the Toddcast podcast. Sugar and sweetener free with just 100 calories and zero carbs per serving. Visit them online at nudebeverages.com. Restless heart, don't fall apart. You've been hanging by faith. Moving seams in your head It's a long time coming, baby And I see you running, baby It's a long time coming, baby boy Baby boy You're innocent And I know that you've been Hanging by thread the things that I've said It's a long time coming Baby And I see you running Maybe It's a long time coming Baby boy Baby boy We must begin To grow from within To build up from the start
Milano Coffee, bringing you the finest espresso and coffee concepts in the world. Online at milanocoffee.ca. And now, listen to this on the Toddcast Podcast. No doubt, if you listen to rock music, you will know the band Shinedown. They've sold over 10 million albums, have the most number one songs on Billboard's mainstream rock chart at 18 number one singles. Brent Smith, and Zach Myers from the band, the singer-guitarist, have a side project simply called Smith & Myers, which they started in 2014, and they've released music under that banner as well, covers and original songs. And when Brent and Zach were guests, we talked about the music that they grew up with, Soul, Otis Redding, Zeppelin. They shared the shows they were binge-watching at the time. The Tragically Hip and Canada's love for them came up, and so did Marvel movies and the death of Chadwick Boseman. We talked about Taylor Swift and Stevie Ray Vaughan, songwriting, Kevin Hart, and Brent and Zach talked about the overall power of music. Listen to this. I don't think that you pick the music. I think the music picks you, if that makes sense. So it doesn't matter if you're a virtuoso and you've been playing since you were born or, you know, that's it. It shows the power of music and why it's so important and, and, and really why it saves people's lives, because it's it's the one expression that we have that's ever evolving, especially songs. A song can mean something to you um, one one year and then a couple of years down the line, you know, you hear it again and it can hit at the right exact time, but it means something different to you. And the styles change and it's not about, you know, like rock and roll, that's a way of life. It's not necessarily a genre of music, you know, and I think that's why music is so important, you know, and you have a story like Zach's where it's like the music picked him. Yeah, man. And, and, and I totally agree with you about the, the music heals and, and uh, like, music does something to your soul like you can go to a like a, go to an old folks home somebody that has dementia but yet they can sing a song from when they were 12 years old clear as day can't remember their daughter's name but somehow they can sing the soundtrack of xy movie i think that's because, a different part of your brain man i think that's a yeah. different you know and your that, that's your heart you know when you hear music you know that's something that's you know, I think that there's, you know, when you hear music, like it'll give you a different emotion than anything else in life. I think there's a different neural receptor in there that kind of, you know, never goes away once something's embedded in there. You know, it's like why it's the same reason I get the same feeling I got the first time I heard the Stairway to Heaven solo. I still get, you know what I mean? Like 
it's it's those things you know i think that that's something that you know like we you know brent always says like you know music is kind of the key to the world man it, it can heal it can heal people it can heal people's lives and you know to us that's very important i think that just works on a different i don't know there's some sort of different neural receptor in there that i think creates where music comes from and it's it i think it's its own corner of the brain it also it. builds off of vibration I can't yeah. wait for some I can't wait for some scientist on Twitter to be like, no, it's not. Listen to this on the Toddcast podcast is brought to you by Tedco RV Supplies in Langley, an ICBC approved repair shop. Visit them on Facebook and Twitter at Tedco RV Supplies. Red Truck Beer, delivered fresh, the official beer of the Toddcast podcast. There was a song when it came on, stop the conversation It had that nitty gritty down home zone Even made me put down my phone and pulled me right out to the floor, floor. Slide to the side and tap that heel Duh, duh, back to the right and do that go see Duh, duh, jump to the front and clap two times DJ got us going all night, doing the rattlesnake bite Oh Lord, it makes you wanna crank it on up, break it on down Shake your mommy, make her like your mama ain't around Keep it on ten, tequila's on ice DJ got us going all night, doing the rattlesnake bite Doing the rattlesnake bite, bite Grabbing your spine and keeping Cause everybody's clapping Just feel the flow and let it go Cause it's about to happen You love that nitty gritty down home So everybody put down their phone And let it lead you to the floor, floor. Slide to the side and tap that heel Tuck, tuck, back to the right and do that Go see, duck, duck Jump to the front and clap two times DJ got us going all night Oh lord, it makes you wanna crank it on up
bit by Kadu and a great song for him called Rattlesnake Bite. And you're what, about three weeks away from his show with us at Blue Light Studios in East Vancouver. Just 20 bucks, 20 bones, that's it, through eventbrite.ca. Again, that's B-R-I-T-E, B-R-I-T-E dot C-A. Don't snooze, tickets are selling well. Uh, they make good Christmas presents, of course. I've been buddies with Kadu for years. Gotta say, it's probably been about I don't know, 12 at least, maybe 15, I would say. So you can expect some good stories on that night. Same as always, there's a couple acoustic sets. I interview them throughout. You get to ask questions as well. It's on Saturday, January 7th, and I hope to see you there. Played you Wild Dove, and that was their song called Baby Boy, and they're playing a podcast show as well, a podcast, Blue Light Sessions, and this is at the end of January on the 28th. I was texting with their singer, Devin, um, a while back, I guess now, a couple, two, three weeks back. He's like, guess what I'm going to do for a cover? I'm like, come on, when he told me, I don't want to ruin the surprise, but suffice to say, you are going to love this show. Speaking of live music, there's a, a small list of shows uh, that we post up at the website, toddhancock.ca, at the indie scene. If you're playing a show, if you're going to a show, let us know about it. It's got to be indie, though, of course. I'm not posting Pearl Jam or Pantera's playing with Metallica. That's not happening. Indie. That's brought to you by Mystic Rhythms Rehearsal Studios. We're talking 40-plus years' experience in the music industry. Great jam spaces, pro gear. Quite literally, every band I've talked to loves it. Find out more through mysticrhythms.ca. Okay, our final guests of this episode 290, our year in review, and some highlights from our entertainment and lifestyle guests. That's powered by Sacred Meds, Canada's best craft cannabis and psilocybin dispensary. Another great idea. Man, all these ideas are popping up for stocking stuffers. There's hash, oils, tons of edibles, there's bath bombs for crying out loud, peyote, DMT, insane sight. I generally get my order within the next day or two at the most in the mail and they mail anywhere in Canada. And don't forget this at registry mention you heard about them through the podcast, the podcast and unlock a hidden category on their website. How cool is that? And, and use the code Toddcast for 10% off your entire order through sacredmeds.com. So we managed to grab Brutal Star in early February. He's easily one of my favorite content creators. Always dialed up, super funny. He's timely. He's topical. He's kind of a big deal. He's collaborated with Gordon Ramsay, the Property Brothers. And knowing that he'd released music under the same name back in the day, we had to ask him, what's the most overrated band on the planet? Oh man, that's a good question. The most overrated band on the planet, according to me, is, oh God, that's a really tough question. The immediate, the first band that popped to mind was U2. And oh, I, I dude, like I'm, U2. I'm right there. I like U2 as well, but I'm <laughs> right there with you. REM, Smashing <laughs> <and> Pumpkins. <laughs> Yeah, I well, I've never really been into Smashing Pumpkins. He sort of lost me because of because of like my age and where I was and what was happening in my life and stuff. I kind of I didn't get on the uh, Smashing Pumpkins into the grunge train of like the early '90s. I was kind of like oh. aged out of that a little bit. No, how many? Um, I'm 48. How old are you? 52. 
So you got me by four years. Really? You yeah. just, maybe you just missed yeah. it. Then. I worked at HMV as well. Uh, like when, like Nirvana's Nevermind was, came out when I worked at HMV. It was an amazing album, phenomenal yeah. album. Yeah. But I was never into like Soundgarden. I was never into, per- I hated Pearl Jam wow. and uh, all that kind of grunge stuff. I just really wasn't into it. And then I actually, in 1993, in the height of grunge, I really got into this album by the guy I did my first record with Stephen Duffy, who did an album in Abbey Road with Nigel Kennedy, who's a classical violinist, but kind of a wacko dude. Yeah. And uh, so I, w- I went totally the opposite direction then. Wow. So, yeah. I will admit it is a tricky question to answer. What is the most overrated band on the planet? And Brutal Stars worked with some big brands over the years as well. Talking KFC, Disney, Caltire, Subway, ESPN, CBC, and for good reason. He reaches you. He reaches people in a way that's hard to deny. Like he hits those key points in your day-to-day that you and your circle are talking about. You won't hear him talking politics anytime soon though. No, I hate politics. I can't stand politics. I think, uh, no offense to the politicians I like, but I mean, uh, politics is slimy. It's slimy, slimy business. And the worst part of politics is that it's, it's, I mean, it's, you know, I've, I've been doing social media as a content creator for the past nine years and, uh, it is a slimy business. Like when you, you I mean, there's lots of amazing people and lots of lovely people, uh, but you just have to realize it's like, it's bit, everyone's kind of jostling for profile. Everyone's always trying to make sure they're still, you know, getting attention yeah. and politics is like that, except it's people's lives <laughs> on the line. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, no politics has never been, I've never, I mean, I'm aware of politics. I feel there's an important, it's important to stay abreast of what's happening in politics yeah. because there are real world you know, uh, consequences, consequences to political sure. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at the same it, it, time, it's like, I have no, and I can mean, people have said to me, you should run for politics. It's like, no, <laughs> no, I shouldn't because like, I no. don't care enough about people. I really oh, don't. My God. I, I couldn't imagine the shit that would be pulled up if, if I was oh. to run for politics, like, oh my God, no, thank yeah, you. I know we're not there yet. We're not yeah. there yet. Right. I mean, not, I think it's sort happened. of, you know, yeah. yeah. As we move from one of Canada's best content creators, Brittle Star, to we turn to an author and certified psychic medium, Kimberly Toko, and her story is heartbreaking. Her 13-year-old son took his own life back in 2011, and it was from that wretched time that Kimberly dug deep and grit and focus. She wrote a best-selling book called Memoirs of a Suicide. And what I do is, after I've made my success, um, winning multiple awards, I don't want to brag, but you know, I worked really hard for that to get a name for myself and to get known. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes back to those first entries, the first year, the first Christmas and, and how insane I was, but it's the woman today looking back at those entries, explaining what happened and how to get through it. It's, it's very graphic at first. Cause I take them through every moment of what happened with my son, but I also take them through the moments that, helped me overcome suicide. And uh, yeah, it held uh, number one for two weeks in bipolar category. Um, It held for the day of new releases. It did hold it for one day. And then uh, it was number two in uh, uh, anxiety disorders. So yeah, for two weeks, I held number one. I was really, really proud of that. It was awesome. 
as a dad of two, it really is such a touching story. And it's one that really needs to be told. Beyond writing a number one book, Kimberly is one of the top real estate agents in Arizona. She's raised over at the time, I mean, the thing is like a year back now, almost a year back, at the time, over $600,000 of her commissions she's used to help families buy houses. How cool is that? You've seen her on HGTV. As mentioned, she's a certified psychic medium. I'm going to say um, grid of choices because this is a human experience. And yes, we are creating our choices, creating our world. Um, and it is a game, so to speak. You can think of it that way because it's all mindset and understanding. I just hate to call it the matrix because it takes you down that. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it. I mean, again, it's arrogant to think that there's not timelines, that there's not possibilities, there's not wrinkles in time. If you've seen the series Loki, it's really, yeah, um, it explains timelines very well, I think. Uh, you know, you could be on three or four different timelines right now. Who's to say? Why couldn't we be? Why be so closed-minded to think that there isn't? That was a very interesting part of the conversation with Kimberly Toko talking about deja vu. Is it a blip in the matrix? As we move on to actor Chad L. Coleman uh, from Broadway to the biggest shows on TV, you know him from The Walking Dead, The Orville, The Wire. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. He talked about capturing that on-screen magic and just how hard it can be. Well, you know... The blueprint is the words on the page. So that written word on the page should be our Bible, if you will. Yeah. And uh, everyone should be listening to each other. And everyone's goal should not be, oh, how I'm going to come off so great in the scene. But how do we tell this story? So you run into problems when people are like showing off and want to you know, just, you know, chew up the scenery with how great of an actor they are. Right. And uh, the, so, but when you get actors completely listening and present with each other and honoring the story and you get a good director who can really sit back there and look through that square and, and see what's going down, you can get it anytime. It's probably easier than it is uh, for a basketball or football team. But you do know how much they practice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so I can't, you know, if we could get some good rehearsal time in, uh, which is a, a, a premium. So I, I would say that we have to come with our A game, our collaborative A game. Right. Yeah. And when we do that, oh yeah, we can we can hit on some pretty amazing stuff. I was just finished working on Girls Five Ever. And uh, just uh, finished, I'm working on uh, three women for Showtime. And each one of these sets is supremely A-game, present, listening, let's tell the story. And uh, I've been having a, a great time. And that goes for all those shows that you named off. You know, it's um, people showing up with the intended goal to make the show the best it can be. And yes, we're going to bump heads. Yes, that's a part of the collaborative process. Yeah. Yes, you, you got to figure it out. Yes, the energy of another actor could possibly have 
as you said, your synapses jumping and you didn't expect it. You know what I mean? And so you have to breathe in, breathe out and, and continue to relax. Just relax into it. And, you know, we do get take one, take two, take three, take four, take right. five. Right. So with that, we got a good shot at it. Oh, the other show you'd know Chad from is Roots with Lawrence Fishburne. They released that earlier this year, the remake of the 77 miniseries. And we got into a lot of things with Chad, as we always do. Here he talks about living in Atlanta and his love of football. Well, I mean, I'm here in Atlanta now, you know, so uh, I've been fascinated with the Hawks. I was fascinated with them last year, actually, when they started to when they made the move to the Eastern Conference uh, Championships, you know, and trade ice trade. And, you know, I just love, uh, I love basketball. I love football. I love boxing. Uh, I love tennis. Uh, but um, it's not many of them that I won't engage in because competition is cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so, but uh, in terms of teams, I'm fascinated with how, you know, five people have to genuinely work together in order for it to work. But yet, one or two of them have to be supremely selfish at particular times and to see it all play out and they find that balance uh it's fascinating to me so i I show up at some of the games you know when uh when i get an opportunity i I got my son i'm teaching him basketball and so i took him to see uh lamello ball and trey go at it and Mellow was a little too mellow that (laughs) (laughs) and my son and you know what my son was like hey yeah 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 blah 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 i know dad swish and yeah the wrist and hold it up yeah i know i get it now can we get the pizza and the popcorn (laughs) (laughs) so you you humble yourself and realize that hey bro at his own pace because um He's really good at it. He, he has the perfect build for it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's, he's he's supposed to be 6'4", so, and he's very athletic. But, you know, he's still a little kid, so let him have fun. But, yeah, I, I, I'm a, I've been a huge sports fan all my life and from the Jets and the Giants and, uh, you know, back in the day, Sanford 49ers and, I, I, you know, Chicago Bulls. I just love excellence. When, when I see it, I love it, you know. Uh, grew up a Dallas Cowboy fan, though, uh, big time. And uh, just ran into after Troy and and, um, and, and Emmett and uh, uh, and the Playmaker. You know, after them, they just didn't look like the Cowboys anymore. So I had to, had to let them go. Right. You know? Yeah, fair. And now I think I just gravitate to excellence, the Aaron Rodgers of the world and, you know, Guys, just, Tom Brady, of course, uh, right. you know, to do it consistently, do it on that that level, and just have you know have us in awe. And from acting to sex therapy, we found Dr. Emily Jamea on Instagram, and you'll love her account. Super positive, great advice, and just a really cool overall vibe. What is it that makes a good sex therapist? Yeah, that's a great question. I think people enter the field for so many different reasons. There's a lot of different motivations why people are become interested in it. I can share my experience. Um, and that was that I was studying psychology um, in, in my undergraduate program and I took a human sexuality elective. 
And I just found it to be really fascinating. I think our sexuality is so intrinsically wound up in our psychology and it drives so much of human behavior and it's so important to relationships. And so for me, I thought, wow, this is something that would be really neat to focus on because sexuality can be kind of a window into a person's psyche. You can learn a lot about an individual and about a relationship by learning about sexuality for that person and what it means for them. Um, and so from that point forward, I really just focused all of my work on, on sex and relationships. And so for me, it's just a niche, you know, just like another therapist might specialize in eating disorders or in depression. I specialize in sex and relationships. And there's definitely something about Dr. Jamea's approach. It's probably the positivity. It's refreshing, of course, in the online world. There's not enough of it. And it's just a really good chat that you would like for sure. Talking about experimenting in the bedroom, gaining trust, the friend zone, PDA, female Viagra. It's not around, but they're working on it. Dating a friend's ex. I would, I don't know that there's like a right answer to that. I would say you need to talk to your friend and, you know, make sure it's not going to somehow negatively impact the friendship. If it's a really close friend, there's a good chance that they may not really feel comfortable with that. That could create some awkwardness, like, you know? So, yeah, you may not be other people may have absolutely no issue with it. You know, I think everybody is a little bit different. I always try to, you know, I don't encourage possess being possessive about people and, you know, certainly not in relationships, but sometimes things get a little awkward after a breakup. And so, you know, you can imagine how that might feel for the ex-girlfriend and your friend. Like if the three of you were hanging out together, that might be a little bit uncomfortable. And so my advice would be to talk to your friend first and see how it would affect the friendship and how they would feel about it before making that call. Entertainment guest visits are powered by Sacred Meds, Canada's best craft cannabis and psilocybin dispensary. Visit sacredmeds.com and mention you heard about them through the podcast to open up a hidden category on their website. And use the code TODCAST at checkout for 10% off your order. When I had you here, Lord knows I didn't see what a gift had been been bestowed on me I took love for granted cause I thought you'd always be around but nowadays on the ground you know where to be found see I'ma beg you if you let me I'ma borrow time don't forget me I'll be blue If you let me, I'm 
something coming up it's your your birthday or it's christmas or a trip somewhere and you've got that countdown going on that's exactly what's happening uh with tanya aganaba a great song for her it's called borrowed time and we have a show with tanya coming up in february at blue light studio in east vancouver this one will sell out fast the last time she played there it went out like gangbusters like Todd Kearns' show did. I mean, if it's not already sold out, I'd be surprised. Eventbrite.ca. The countdown is on. Uh, she's playing in February, by the way. Search Toddcast at eventbrite.ca and you'll find all of our shows. As we're just about done for this week, but first, our last Citywide Mortgage Services Mortgage Minute of the Year. They've been a big help, a lot of positive feedback about these things. Like, why have we not learned about these things in high school? And not about, you know, how many elements are there? How many can you name from the periodic table? And what's three cubed? So what's going on this week, Dara? As I touched on in the last Mortgage Minute, when you buy a home in the province of B.C., Closing costs are payable. Uh, these are mostly made up of transfer tax, uh, plus legal fees, title insurance, and a whole bunch of little miscellaneous stuff. In BC, we have the highest transfer tax in the country, and that's what makes up the majority of the closing costs. It's interesting fact. Bill van der Zam, our premier in the, in the 80s, actually put this tax in to pay for Expo 86. And here we are still, still paying today. It generates billions a year, so it's likely not going anywhere. anywhere. Anyways, it's 1% of the first 200000 of price and then 2% of anything above. So when you combine that with legal fees and title insurance and all the little miscellaneous things, it works out to be around 2% of the price of the home. So if you're buying a home for a million dollars, budgeting for about 20000 in closing costs is recommended and should have more than enough. If you're a first-time buyer, you are exempt from this if you buy for 500000 or less. Or that goes up to 750000 or less if the home is brand new. Lots of moving parts, I know. And if you happen to be listening to this from another province outside of BC, great news. Your transfer tax is probably a lot lower than what I just estimated. Anyways, as I said, lots of moving parts. That's a lot of info in a minute. But as I always say, don't hesitate. Give us a shout if you need some clarification. We're happy to guide you through it. 
Mortgages are a piece of cake for the right people, like our friends at citywidemortgage.ca. Talk to Dara or any of their staff, and they'll help out quick and easy. And that's going to do it for this one. Episode 290, our year in review, part one. We had 12 guests this week, another 12 next week with our year-end wrap-up. And then we'll take a couple, two, three weeks off. As mentioned, we'll hang out with the family, do the Christmas thing, the New Year's, uh, some snowboarding up at Cyprus. They've renewed sponsorship for a sixth season in a row, which is very cool. We, of course, love the hill. We love the support. Uh, Once again, my name is Todd Hancock. Thank you so much for being here, for listening. It's hard to cut through the noise, and I'm happy that you're there with us. If you like what you heard, Please tell your friends about us. Of course, that's a big way that we grow. Things that sound dirty that aren't. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube. Of course, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're everywhere. Comment and rate the podcast. It helps out as well. Again, a simple search of Toddcast Podcast. Huge thanks to all of our wonderful sponsors. Find links to all of their websites at toddhancock.ca. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast, you can for as little as 10 bucks a day. Contact info is at the homepage. If you help us find a sponsor, we will give you a commission. Like say no more, right? Find me another indie podcast that pays their listeners. I'm just saying. Till next time, don't be an asshole. Nobody wants to be around that. Have fun, play hard, and most of all, believe in yourself. You've been listening to the Toddcast Podcast, powered by Citywide Mortgage Services, dedicated to helping you find the best mortgage rates, available seven days a week at citywidemortgage.ca.